thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to The Healthy Shift Worker with your host, Audra Starkey. Hello and welcome to the Healthy Shift Worker podcast. My name is Audrey Starkey and I'm here to help you to manage some of the toughest challenges we face whilst working 24-7. Today's guest is a lady by the name of Dr. Peter Stapleton, who is a registered clinical and health psychologist and currently an associate professor in psychology at Bonn University here in Australia. She is a world-leading researcher in EFT, which is short for Emotional Freedom Technique, otherwise known as TAPI and most recently led a world-first randomised clinical trial investigating the effectiveness of EFT on food cravings in overweight and obese adults. I am really looking forward to talking with Peter about this. So to talk more about EFT or emotional freedom technique, I'd like to give a warm and friendly Healthy Shift Worker welcome to Dr Stapleton. Hello. Hello and thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you for joining me um, today, Peter. I mean, just before we went to air, I was just talking to you about this, but, you know, I, I first came across you a couple of weeks ago when I saw you speak at Cindy O'Meara's um, Nutrition Summit up here on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland, and you were amazing. I've <laughs> <laughs> been doing our talks for a while. Oh, <laughs> we had a good time. We had a good time. Yeah, but you're such a entertaining speaker on such you know a really interesting topic uh, and you know <laughs> I think, yeah. yeah yeah which is why I mean I'm really looking forward to kind of chatting with you um this morning on, on a topic that I'm sure many people are not actually aware of but can have huge impact on our health and well-being in so many ways but I'm going to leave um you to tell us all about that but first things first how did you get into psychology like was it something that you always wanted to do no. <laughs> so, no, my story is I wanted to be a lawyer, which is quite funny Whoa. given that didn't work out. I think I watched too many law shows as a teenager, you know, LA Law and uh, some of those. <laughs> so I had these visions of I'm going to become a lawyer. So I go off to university and first year I enroll in, you know, the normal kind of law subjects and it was all a bit boring really. It wasn't like TV. <laughs> <laughs> and I had um, – it's all my mother's fault. I had one subject that I needed to do in that first year at the end and I think I'd exhausted all the other electives in law and it was all a bit boring, like I said. And my mum said, why don't you do this psychology thing? Sounds interesting. And, and we knew nobody that was in the field. It was still, it was pretty new still coming out then. And I'm like, oh, what's this thing? And I kind of read it, oh, human behaviour. So I go on to do this basic human behaviour, you know, psych 101 and it just changed my life. Like I think it made so much sense and suddenly it revolutionised everything I kind of thought about my own behaviour and understanding. It, I absolutely changed my whole degree. So I left law behind, went on, had no room for movement in any of my electives, had to do all psychology from that point forward to get the double major and the rest is history. So never went on to become a lawyer and I wonder being a lecturer now that that fulfils probably what I think I was looking for, you know, defending people in a courtroom, that I now stand there and entertain my students. <laughs> yeah. Although I'd have to have to say you would probably would have made one very entertaining lawyer <laughs> in a courtroom. <laughs> I think just, uh, EFT or tabbing's probably helped with the nerve and yeah. things. I've just become more relaxed over the years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well that leads me to my next question. Like 
I guess, what led you to EFT per se or tapping? And and I guess, could you, I suppose, explain to our listeners what exactly is it? Because I'm sure that there are plenty of people that have not heard about it or don't know much about it. Yeah, like you said, so we might start there, Audra. Um, EFT stands for Emotional Freedom Techniques, which doesn't really mean a lot to a lot of people. Mm. So over the years, um, just through some different organisations, it kind of started to be called tapping, um, you know, not quite tap dancing, but tapping, um, because what what that described was tapping on these pressure points uh, on the face and top half of the body that, you know, they believed sort of sent a signal back to parts of the brain to release stress and things like that. So we've ended up sort of calling it tapping over the years just because that made a little bit more sense, EFT. <laughs> Sometimes mm. people think we're talking about electronic funds trends, <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> so um, that kind of, that's the official name, but, yeah, tapping, people might kind of, listening go oh you actually might have heard of it as tapping so we we stimulate you know acupuncture true acupuncture points on the body but instead of using fine needles we tap on them just with two fingers and it has the same effect that we do see with acupuncture and it's just a stress reduction technique that's all it is is it actually is a way of reducing stress in the moment either something happening right now or worry about the future or even something in the past that still bothers you and we know through lots of clinical research now that the effect of it lasts over time so whatever you were worried on or about kind of doesn't come back once you've done that tapping on it which is profound when you think about Mm. it you know you don't have to keep having a positive affirmation or or whatever it might be so how I stumbled into it was a little bit desperation where my traditional area is eating disorders as a psychologist. So I was running a lot of support groups for young teenagers. I was seeing a lot of clients. I'd come out of university. I was pretty young still. But I found that the traditional techniques weren't working well and I felt quite ineffective. You know, I'd been to uni for four years and done another two-year supervision and my clients weren't getting any better and I thought, this is Mm. rubbish, all this stuff. Like, how come? Mm. It was a really hard clientele group and I, I look back now and kind of think, a lot of people don't go and work in eating disorders for that very reason, but... I was asking and I was looking and I guess I was whinging a little bit too to colleagues kind of going, oh, man, I've done all this stuff at uni and for this group it's not working. Mm. And I had a colleague, he um, he was a counsellor and I guess thought more outside the square because he hadn't done traditional psychology and he said to me this one day, oh, look, I've come across this really weird technique. It's really weird but I think that it might work. And I had no idea what he was talking about and I probably dismissed him and said, I don't know what you're talking about. Because he wasn't even explaining what it was, but he ended up coming along to assist me at an eating disorder support group one night. And in this particular night, one of the young girls had a panic attack. So whatever I was talking about set her off. And he just sort of gestured and said, look, I'll just take her to another room and help her calm down. She was hyperventilating with her. Oh, she's going to pass out. Yeah, wow. Anyway, they came back like within less than 10 minutes. I, I would say it was probably about seven minutes. And she was really calm and so composed and stayed for the rest of the group. I kind of was looking at him. So when everyone went home, I said to him, what did you do? I, I was convinced he had some Valium or something. <laughs> you know, he slipped as a medication. Well, that's unethical. <laughs> she was too calm. I thought, you haven't been gone long enough. And he said, I did that weird tapping thing I've been trying to tell you about. And because I'd seen the outcome and the impact on her, that young girl, I said, okay, tell me more about what this is. 
then I guess I was sort of a bit more open and I went on to learn and learn about more of it went to a training myself and we started to sort of do it with clients and and have success so so that's where it came about it was kind of I wasn't looking I certainly wasn't looking for something weird (laughs) um he yeah he was this colleague who has since passed away he's no longer with us but he really passed a baton there because we've gone on to become obviously Australia's leading researchers in in this topic and I I look back and think nobody else ever told me about this tapping thing except Alan. Mm. Um, yeah, so it was sort of meant to be when you think about it. Mm. I love that you had that awareness that things weren't working with your clients and that yeah. you were you just like you didn't want to kind of keep, oh, what is that saying? Like um, whacking it. Insanity. Well, yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Or whipping the horse over and over again kind of thing and just because, yeah, like I think, you know, there's plenty of people out there that do it, but, I mean, you've actually really kind of just acknowledged it and and, and being open to trying something um, different like that. As you said, it's this kind of weird thing. But I love that you've sort of referred to, I think, uh, also at at Cindy's um, Nutrition um, Summit about that it's psychological acupuncture. So it's like Mm, a, a form of acupuncture but without the needles because, I mean, for me personally, that I'm terrified of needles. It's yeah, why I would have made yeah. the most useless nurse. Um, yes. So I think that is also makes it really appealing and that it's, yeah, fast, like fast results, Very as you just fast. mentioned. Yes. Yes, and we now have, you know, lots of clinical trials worldwide in the research area that have compared it to other traditional therapies for lots mm. of different topics. And one of the main advantages, because it does come up, you know, as a really comparable treatment to lots of other standard gold standard sort of things out there but it's the speed at which it works that is faster so whilst it might still get the same outcome six and 12 months later as another approach it actually gets the outcome so much faster that those people have the benefit a lot longer um, maybe of you know reducing stress or calm or getting rid of food cravings or whatever it might be. Yeah, and I think that's important because there are those times, I mean, we are all experiencing chronic stress these days, but that acute stress, those moments with that, you know, lady that you were referring to before, like, I mean, that just would have been such a mm. a huge thing for her to sort of experience that. Yeah, and definitely in the moment like that, mm. it works really, really well. Yeah. Yeah. What I found fascinating is that it actually does help to reduce that, you know, the stress hormone cortisol. I mean, like that... That's, you know, biochemically, that's just wow. Like, you know, you know, especially for, you know, our listeners who are very much running on, you know, ele- elevated stress hormones, cortisol, as a, as a result of like a disrupted wake um, mm. cycle. Can you tell us more about the actual mechanisms behind that, like how it actually is like helping to sort of calm that nervous system down? Yeah, so all the... Um research in acupuncture looking at those acupuncture points was done by harvard university in boston so they looked at under an mri kind of situation you know what parts of the brain calm down or light up or whatever when they do traditional acupuncture and it all came back to that emotional limbic system that amygdala part in the brain that is that stress center and they really showed you know over a decade's worth of research that if you stimulate these pressure points whether you use a needle or now obviously us tapping on them the amygdala is the part of the brain that really 
does calm down. So tapping works best by being in the moment with an emotion going on. So it's not a distraction technique in that regard where you actually need to be engaged in what the feeling is that's happening for you. And that is where we see the amygdala um, calm down and then the memory centres, you know, that live next door to it in the brain or whatever also sort of, you know, play a role. So we have done, like you said, lots of biological studies. So we've had three DNA studies, we've had cortisol studies, that stress hormone that show just a single hour of tapping on stress. Uh, The original study that came out showed a 24% reduction about seven years ago of cortisol just in one hour of tapping. And we replicated that here at Bond University in March this year, and we got a 43% reduction in cortisol, just one hour of tapping. So wow. it's quite profound. That's right. So mm. and we've, it's been measured in lots of studies. But even you know DNA regulation, like the stress hormones and the stress genes associated with things like post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm. One particular study showed 10 weeks, so just one hour of tapping a week over you know like a therapy program. Um, down regulated or stopped the activation of six stress genes and six months later they hadn't re-expressed themselves so these people didn't meet PTSD anymore as a diagnosis so like DNA is changing so you change the stress in the body physiologically then all these other ripple effects seem to happen as well so it's quite profound. Oh, actually, I was going to mention that actually um, that's something that really did sit on. Um, it was like, whoa, when you did share that research about how it does help with the anxiety and the depression, especially PTSD, that really did blow me away. Like it was a 52% reduction or something. Is that yeah, what you shared on your slides yeah, from memory? Yeah, yeah. Over, 10, over 10 weeks. They, yeah. they also showed Gosh. just one hour of tapping had 72 genes that changed in, and they were things like cancer suppression genes associated with those, immune system genes, those sorts of, yes, so 72 genes shifted, you know, just one hour of tapping. Yeah. Wow, amazing, amazing. So can you share um, with us a little more about your clinical trial involving food cravings? Because this is really relevant um, to our listeners, because we know when we haven't had enough sleep, it really does mess with our appetite regulating hormones. So this could be a good tool for them. (laughs) Yeah, so that's where we started sort of about 14 years ago now, our first research. And it was just really because I was in that eating sort of area that it made sense to sort of start where I understood. Um, So we chose to look at overweight and obese adults with food cravings just because of our obesity crisis and epidemic here in Australia. And Sorry to interrupt for a second, Peter. Just 14 years ago you started doing Yeah, that's when we started. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I've been doing this for a long time now. Oh. We've done. Wow. Okay. Yeah, we've done probably 12 years worth of research in food cravings and that sort of resulted in, you know, maybe 10 different publications, different sort of things we looked at. Uh, but the original research was just a four-week tapping program. Just We do two hours a week in a group. People bring their food in to our group. So we always do recommend that when they are tapping on a food craving just so that you can work out what's going on when I've got the food in front of me. And normally they're high-calorie foods, you know, junk foods, that kind of thing. And we teach them how to reduce the desire for those types of foods because when you think about it cravings they're a form of stress and that's why it works well so we went on to um everything we tapped on worked 
12 months later, people's food cravings don't come back. We were kind of a bit surprised because we weren't sure what was going to happen. But we went on then to extend it to an eight-week program and compared that to cognitive behavioural therapy, uh, which is a gold standard therapy approach. Um, again, the tapping worked, you know, over that eight weeks, two hours a week, got the same outcomes as CBT, but got them faster. So got them within the eight weeks where CBT took six months. Um, and then at the 12-month mark, you know, they were equivalent. But tapping was faster for things like anxiousness and restraint and things like that, you know, those sorts of things associated with food. Again, none of their food cravings came back in the tapping group, which surprised the tapping people because we got in contact and said, oh, how's your, uh, I don't know, could have been, you know, Kit Kat bars or whatever. And, <laughs> and then looking at your surprise going, what are you talking about? I don't eat those. And it's like, well, you were having five or six a day. <laughs> Really? So we were kind of going, okay, something happens in the brain here where they just completely forget what what it was that really was such a stress for them as far as a craving. So we went on, we teach them how to use it for emotional overeating and those kind of things as well. We went on and delivered it online to see whether or not it would work like through videos where they still had access to us as researchers in a group, like humanness, um, but they pace themselves through and we've just done two-year follow-up on that online trial, exactly the same outcomes. People can put them through this on their own once they know how to tap and two years later, none of the food cravings have come back. So, yeah, so that's... um. That's where we're at. We've done we've done a dozen years now. We've looking at it. We've literally tried to pull this thing apart to see is there anywhere it won't work. Yeah, <laughs> and it it just keeps working. Yeah. Wow. I think I remember you mentioning something about a um, when you were interviewed on TV. So a journalist was you know talking to you and it was it was a chop. I think it was a chop chip muffin or something. That was his. That was his downside. Like that was it was yep. his. Um, uh, kryptonite, I suppose, uh, and and you managed to like. And he said he came back to you and said like, "What did you do to me? Like I haven't even." He was just the journalist that was doing the story because we were calling for participants from the yeah. community, just saying, "Here's a free clinical trial." Yeah, and so I'm just demonstrating the tapping with him, and he's got this muffin. And yeah, a year later, when we had our results. I rang him to see whether he wanted to do a follow-up story. And that's when he said, I don't know what you did to me, but I can't eat muffins. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, sorry, do you miss them? And he's like, no, I don't miss them at all. And, and I think that's the power of it is it's not about restraint or willpower. If you don't have desire to eat a certain food, you don't miss it. Mm. And I think people sort of fall into the trap before they've done tapping thinking, I don't. I'll miss it, you know, I'll have this deprivation. And that doesn't happen because if you don't actually want to eat it anymore, you forget about it. You literally forget that it's even part of your life. Gosh, that's so true because that's where the comfort food eating just really comes into play, isn't it? You know, we will do it out of habit, out of boredom, mm. out of just, uh, yeah, that's your kind of go-to, whether it's a packet of Tim Tams or, you know, some Cornetto ice creams or something. Mm. It's, yeah, and the fact that it can actually break that cycle, it's just amazing. Yeah, and you're right. A lot of those things are just habitual. So it could be that it's associated with the time of the day, um, a certain feeling in you, in your body, like in yourself, and we literally have just trained ourselves. So tapping has this ability to disconnect those 
I guess, attachments. And sometimes with food, it's positive. It's not negative. So you have good memories as a child sharing a certain type of food with the family. And we're not trying to remove the good feelings, but we're trying to, with people, teach them that the food won't give them the feeling. The memory of that family time, for example, is mm. the feeling, and which they're able to go on and still have those close relationships with people, but they don't have to keep trying to find it through food. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Love it, love it. Okay. Um, so another question I wanted to ask about um, was, was PD in regards to insomnia because, mm. you know, poor little, you know, it's our, it's our sleep de- deprivation and disruption that is really the driving force behind shift workers, you know, many challenges that, that we face. It kind of leads to our poor eating habits, our sedentary lifestyle and so forth. So trying to kind of find ways that are, you know, non-invasive kind of ways to help with things like insomnia by and and I've just you know I've sort of spoken to this you know with my clients about it but again again I'm so glad that I've stumbled across you because you are just the person to speak to about the the fact that it can you know hone in on that cortisol which is you know usually quite elevated during the daytime like a lot of our night shifters struggle to sleep during the daytime for many many reasons but that elevated cortisol is one of them I'm just yeah, has there been any research around that that really shows that it can help with that? Yes, yes. So my, I've just had a book come out this year, the science behind tapping. So lots of the research um, is sort of available in that book. But I do talk about a couple of sleep studies. We haven't ourselves here in Australia been focusing on that. Although future research, we're looking at chronic pain, and we are going to be looking at sleep issues with chronic pain. But I can tell you. Um, yeah. There's a, a group of researchers in Korea who do a lot of research on EFT, like it's not too far a stretch, you know, when you think about some of the Eastern philosophies that get researched in those countries. And they've done a lot on um, sleep hygiene and insomnia with EFT tapping. And so one study, just to sort of flag, um, was done in a geriatric population. So we know that sleep is a problem for often for them as well. So they might mm. not be expending as much energy in the day. Um, and then not sleeping well. So these particular, they were mostly women, were kind of in their mid-70s. So that was sort of the age group just to show you. But pretty standard primary insomnia, you know, just all the classic sort of signs that we would see. So they got eight, it was group therapy, eight one-hour sessions over four weeks, so sort of two sessions a week. So, again, similar to what we do where they end up with eight eight sessions that have been delivered over a month Um, and so one group just got tapping on all the sleep issues and we can talk about some of the common ones that come up and then another group got just general sleep hygiene like psychoeducation so they had a comparison there to sort of see does information help that kind of thing obviously they were had measurements taken and filled out surveys on their sleep and all that kind of thing Um, the Ultimately, the outcome was that the EFT far outperformed the sleep hygiene psychoeducation and three months later, the people that were in the EFT tapping group were the ones that were still sleeping well compared to the group that just got sort of that sleep hygiene sort of information. So we do know that even when people talk about anecdotally using it for insomnia, the research backs that up. It's like, yep, tapping kind of works better. It obviously targets whatever their worries are or 
whatever might be going on. Um, and, you know, we can talk about the types of things that people do often do tapping on for sleep. But definitely the research supports what people tell us, that it actually is a really handy and probably much more useful than taking medication. Mm, yeah, I, I, yeah, I love that, obviously, because then we can become dependent and some of them have negative side effects and so forth. But the fact that I think a lot of the reasons why us as shift workers we can't sleep too is that that anxiety or that unable to switch mm. off that busy brain is mm. a real driver particularly for those that have the the quick turnaround shifts that they might only get eight to ten hour turnaround they've literally just come home from work and they've got to go again so i think again it's just exciting to hear that it is a quick tool as you say to help to address that stress bring that nervous system down calm it down and and yeah and it's exciting to hear that uh that it has been looked at when it comes to insomnia yeah absolutely that's right Mm. So what other sort of specific studies um, have sort of shown that benefit with the insomnia? Yeah, so other studies that perhaps look at other things also measure sleep. So sometimes you get um, a rapid improvement in sleep and insomnia when you target other things such as pain or restless leg syndrome has been looked at, that type of So when people do their tapping on that, they find that their sleep improves as a side effect. So sometimes it is, or someone might have, um, you know, generalised anxiety disorder, so that anxiousness or worry. And when they're using tapping for their worry, a byproduct often is, and we've had lots of studies being done on those anxiety disorders, a byproduct is sleep improves. And they may not even directly target sleep with their, but they don't realise that interaction like you just mentioned the interaction there of you know the mind not being able to turn off that kind of thing and when they use their tapping for that even if it's in the day then they're able to go to sleep at night so there's lots of studies out there at sort of even a bigger level you know hundreds of people that may have done EFT for anxiety but they also measured sleep as part of that and it always improves Mm, yeah, it's an unexpected bonus yes. <laughs> kind of. A good one. Yeah. <laughs> Huge. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I guess um, I'll just have to wrap up shortly because I know I'm quite conscious of your t- of your time, Peter. But for those of you who are listening that might be interested in sort of um, learning more about this, could you just, uh, I guess, briefly give people a bit of a rundown on how it works? Because we've we're talking about tapping it is actually tapping on the face isn't it yes yeah so we use eight pressure points that um really it's not like there's magic in those eight it's just sort of where it came from and they're the eight that we've tested in clinical trials Uh, that just seem to work for most people so i can um i'll talk you through them and i'll use maybe a sleep example but if people want to go off and download a free handout with the points on there and the words to say they can just go to my website peterstapleton.com and they'll find all of that's all there free and and can have a look just look under EFT tapping resources. Um, So if I kind of use a common sleep example, it might be often people um, have have beliefs or or trouble falling asleep easily, that type of thing. Now, the thing about tapping in general is it's a little bit counterintuitive to some of those other kind of modalities that we're used to which is you know think positively or try and ignore that negative thought in tapping we actually ask people to acknowledge what is going on so if we sort of said okay well you know 
you've got this belief that you do have trouble falling to sleep and your reality matches that because it takes you hours to drift off. We might ask them how do they feel about that and they might say, oh, it just frustrates me so much. And I would say, well, how much out of 10 does it frustrate you? And they might, you know, 10's the worst, zero's not at all. So they might say, look, 8 out of 10. Now that distress kind of rating is just an individual one. It just shows someone how it is either increasing or decreasing for them as they tap through. So we just get that in the beginning and sort of say, look, how do you feel about it? And what is it out of 10? We then use... um, a phrase that we say out loud, I'll just give you an example, but when we do that, we tap on the side of the hand point, and again, these will be on the handouts if you go and have a look at my uh, website. Then we might say something, and I would lead as, you know, the person teaching someone tapping and just say, look, repeat after me, even though I feel really frustrated that it takes me hours to go to sleep and I don't have that much time available to me, I accept this is how I feel. So we always say something very similar to that, that even though I have this problem, I accept this is what's going on for me right now. Now, it doesn't implant it in the brain. It helps you acknowledge. So it almost engages the stress center of the brain so that you can then do the tapping to obviously change it. And then the pressure points, if I just walk you through them, we just tap with two fingers. The first one's the start of the eyebrow, so right on the hair there. And we would say as we tap on those pressure points, just one or two words from that sentence, feelings are often better. So we might tap there and sort of say, I feel frustrated, I'm frustrated, that type of thing. The next one's the side of the eye, and we would just say, I feel frustrated. So we're saying the same thing. The next one's under the eye. Again, we're tapping there and saying, I feel frustrated. The next one's under the nose, same thing. And the words are just to keep you engaged, to keep reminding you of what's going on here. The next one is on the crease of the chin, so just under the lips there. The next one is under the collarbone, about an inch just under the end of your collarbone. Next one's directly under your armpit. And the last one is the dead centre of the top of your head. And again, we're still saying the same thing. I feel frustrated, I feel frustrated. After those eight points have been tapped on, maybe just half a dozen times each, we just say to someone, okay, how do you feel now? They guess that number out of 10. And we just keep going until they start to sort of say, no, I don't feel as frustrated anymore. They might have a different feeling that comes up or they might just feel calm or whatever it might be. And of course, when it's sleep, you can go home and test out how long did it take me to go to sleep next time, that sort of thing. Because there's so many different areas you can end up going in with sleep. Often beliefs come into play. People have had histories of, you know, a certain pattern of behaviour. So there's lots of things that we can tap on. But it sort of just shows you that what's different about this technique is you actually have to say your problem. You have to say what it is. And I promise you it won't implant it and make it worse. <laughs> it's, it's, it's actually just engaging part of the brain so that you can release it. And it is the tapping on the pressure points that does that. Mm. And and obviously there can be a time delay because I was just sort of assuming that this is something that you do just before you're going to go to bed. You can. And we do encourage people that if they wake up, say someone falls asleep easily but noise wakes them up easily yeah. and then they find it hard to go back to sleep, they actually can tap in bed. So they can sit there and lie there or whatever and, and just tap on however they feel. How do they feel that? Are they angry that something woke them up and they're not going to get as much sleep? Like often people get feelings when they check the clock and they'll go, oh, Ooh, how much yeah. time have I left? 
hundred hundred percent. It's three a.m. I've got to get up in fifteen minutes. Yeah. Right. So they might feel angry about that, and mm. again, they can tap because you're right. All tapping is doing is reducing stress and getting the body calm again, which makes sleep easier to come, that kind of thing. Mm. And so you can visualise that tapping as well, not just actually tap. I'm just thinking in the middle of the night it's a bit tricky. Yeah, yeah. and especially if you've got someone next to you that you don't want to wake up and have them angry. Yeah. You you, you could just, once you know what the points are, you could just lie there and visualise the point and tapping on it and still say the words in your mind. And most people will report back to us that they fell asleep, like they can't remember what they got up to. Um, So you can absolutely visualise it, particularly because it is... Um, obviously a time of day wow. and night where it might be it might be useful to physically tap yeah wow 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 okay so my I one last question that I just have to ask for those of the skeptics amongst <laughs> listening to this thinking what like that doesn't sound like possible what have you got to say to them yeah, look, um, a lot of people have that, particularly when something's new or it's mm. weird. I will say tapping's been around for 45 years, so it's not. It's actually <gasps> not really. Weird. Yeah, wow. it's been around a long time. Um, I can let people know, I guess, if they are thinking, oh, this sounds too strange or even too good to be true because people yeah. will often say that to us. It's like, what do you mean? And it's not magic. I mean, we still got to do the work. But we now have government bodies worldwide that have accepted the research. There's over 130, probably 135 clinical trials now that really do show it across different areas and compared to gold standards being as effective, if not, you know, superior in many cases. So we have, you know, in the UK, the government agency there, the National Institute of Clinical Excellence has accepted all the EFT research for post-traumatic stress disorder and, you know, said yes it's you know worthy of government funding the veterans association in america approve it for war vets so there's a lot of governments now that that there is so much research there it's a little bit hard to ignore um and it's solid research it you know it is a place to start that if you're curious about "Mm, how does it work why is it working for so many things um that type of thing i just encourage people to you know like me kind of Put your scepticism aside just for a moment to at least go off and explore and maybe try and experience it in the hands of some, not necessarily a YouTube video, but maybe with someone that is qualified just so that you can get the experience yourself of stress reducing or you becoming calmer on whatever you want to do tapping on because that often gives people um, a taste of what this thing does. Yeah, and what have they got to lose? Exactly, you'll stay Mm. the same. Hundred so. <laughs> percent, mm, yeah, or get worse. So it's kind of yeah, a bit of a motivation behind it. Well, look, this has been so good, Peter. Incredibly, incredibly fascinating. I, I could honestly talk to you for hours about this. Um, <laughs> I could talk for hours. <laughs> I'm sure you could. I'm sure you could. Um, but I'm quite conscious that you do have a um, appointment after this recording, so I will let you go. But um, if anybody does want to learn more about your work and your book, uh, you mentioned before that the science behind tapping, would you mind just sharing your website uh, again um, for our listeners? Yes, sure. So all the W's at peterstapleton.com. So that's P-E-T-A, Stapleton, S-T-A-P-L-E-T-O-N.com. Brilliant. Excellent. And there's lots of different resources on there that they can um, access. So that's fantastic. Well, yeah, thank you once again for um, joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you.
Thank you so much for the invitation. <laughs> well, that's it for another edition of the Healthy Shift Worker podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you found this episode helpful, please feel free to share it with other shift workers you think may benefit, as this will help me to spread the Healthy Shift Worker message to shift workers and organisations all around the world. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening. Until next time, may you continue to be as healthy as you possibly can be, despite working 24-7. The 2019 Wellness Summit is almost here. I love being at these events. They're always such a great, positive environment. It's been really great to um, listen to like-minded people and to um, meet a few people, actually. I've been to every summit and I've been to every one and I'll always keep coming. It's always inspiring. It's been a real eye-opener. We're actually signed up to go to the breakthrough now. It's very motivating. I think it's great to listen to people who are inspired. And there's always something to learn and something to take away. I think uh, for myself and giving myself that um, opportunity to, to learn. There's so much going on in life and everything that you can get distracted and forget the things that you should be doing. And this always reminds you to get back on track and, and um, to focus on the things that are important, a holistic health. Just do it, yeah. Just yeah, suck it up and do it. It's, uh, it could be life-changing, yeah. I would say it's awesome and it's the start of changing your life. Come along, see what it's about and enjoy it. It's an amazing event with like-minded, positive people and you can't help but um, walk away feeling great. Positive Mentor presents the 2019 Wellness Summit, August 17 and 18 in Melbourne. Can you afford to miss out? Tickets at thewellnesssummit.com. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.